that. Well, we are so excited. We got Billy and Valerie Thomas this morning. They're, they used to be called MAPS directors. Now they're called Church Mobilization Directors, right? Church Mobilization Project or Church Mobilization. And they oversee all of our RV MAPS workers all over the country. They also oversee placing uh, missionary associates around the country. If you remember Christopher Haluska, uh, still working, still doing great stuff. That started through these guys. Uh, Pastor Dan and Libby started their new position seeing these guys. And so they just do incredible work all over the country, and they were here this weekend for the MAPS conference, and they were graciously agreed to come and speak this morning. So would you give a big Calvary welcome this morning to Billy and Valerie Thomas? Oh, thank you. Thank you. God's good, isn't he? God is good. Now, I'm wondering here, are you clapping because I got Chris out of here? I'll tell him that. Oh, what a joy it is to be here. What a joy it is to see each one of you, to be in Nebraska. You know how you get to Nebraska? You drive till you can't drive any further. And I, I just kept driving, and she finally looked at me, and she said, how far is this? I said, we got to keep going. And she said, how much further? And we were just in Kansas City. And um, But it is so good to be back with you this weekend, and to just see their things. I want to just very quickly say a couple of things. Talked to Chris a couple of days ago. And just to give you a quick update, he's a junior now at North Point. Um, he is um, finishing school May the 2nd there. And then he'll be traveling with their traveling worship team, doing youth camps and camps all over the country. He's working with them, doing a lot of work with them. And then he told me, he said, I'll be seeing you at General Council. So he's going to come see me at General Council. I can't wait to see him there. But just to give you, just so you understand this, and I don't want to take a lot of time with this today because Pastor said we needed to be out by 2. Um, <laughs> don't worry, she leaves at 10. No. <laughs> but, um, no, um, Chris um, got out there to, um, to Massachusetts, and when we placed him out there, I've got to be honest with you, I thought to myself going from Lexington, Nebraska to Hyenas, Massachusetts, I mean, when you look out the window and you're looking at the Kennedy compound or Taylor Swift's house, it's a very big difference from Lexington, Nebraska, okay? And the, the ocean's there. And I got to tell you, the seafood's amazing out there. But um, the church told me a few, I was there about two years ago, and I did an interview with the church. And I said, I want to know how Chris affected this church. And they lined people up to one by one come by and tell us how it changed their church and it changed their life for that young man to be there. And that pastor looked at me and says, I don't think we would have made it without Chris. And I sat there and I thought how God does things that we'll never understand. And God literally took him from here, prepared him, had me to come that day to put all these things together and see all this happen. And then I stand back and I just go, wow, God how your mind works and how your heart works to take care of us. But I want you to know that you here at this Calvary Assembly of God changed a church in Massachusetts. Think about that for just a minute. Because of your investment in him, you changed a church in Massachusetts. That makes it all worth it, doesn't it? It does. Go ahead, give God the praise. God's good. Second thing, Dan and Libby, some of you don't realize, Dan and Libby and I went to school together, hadn't seen each other for 40 years since uh, when we got out here that day uh, about three, four years ago, and I will never forget that day. They have now become two of the greatest missionaries we've ever had in the U.S. MAPS department, and I want you to know we love them to death. They are on their way to Salt Lake City, Utah right now, or they would be here with us, but they had to head on up there. He stopped by the church um, just for service, and we got to see him one more time. We had dinner with Dan and Libby last night, and they told us, they said, we love this, but here's what I love. They said, we love doing what we're doing, but we love our church so much, and we are blessed that we get to stay here and still do the ministry. That's good news, isn't it? But they're awesome. We are so thankful for them. But you know, i got to tell you, when your pastor said we could come back, I was really shocked. Um, I said, and um, they said, just I can't take any more than five more out of the church. Then he let me speak to the youth again today. That's a glutton, man. I'm going after it. And, um, and so I was talking to the youth today. I said, come on, let's go. 
So we have got great things happening. Uh, two more things I've got to say. Number one, the RVers, we love these guys so much. This is some of the hardest working people. Would all the RVers stand? I want you guys to get the picture of these guys. These are the guys that give so much. I want you to let them know how much you appreciate them. Amen. Amen. And, and just so you know, if you're sitting on their row, you're now RVers. That's how I recruit. And all of you that clapped are now RVers. I know how to recruit. Zach, where are you at, Zach? You're now an RVer, bud. And guess what? You win. You're the youngest RVer I've got. You got it. What's sad is your mom and dad said you could go. <laughs> You're sending him. <laughs> I got to stop. Um, but um, <laughs> I get in trouble. But we are so grateful for the RVers. They have done so much. And even through this COVID, they have been working. They came here to the church during COVID. They've worked at the camp. They've been all over this country. We have, we've got about 108 projects going right now all the way across this country and all over the nation. And we are seeing God do so many things. And we are so grateful for that. But I want to encourage you, if you're interested in being a part of them, you don't just have to leave this area. You can join them. I'm, I'm being nice to you. You can stay here and work at the camp and work at other things. And, and then you can leave. And no, well, I'm trying to behave because I like your pastor and I don't want to offend him. But um, I want to encourage you. If you're interested in becoming an RVer, I, I encourage people, you don't have to be retired. You can do this now. I've got a lot of young couples that are coming in that they're homeschooling on the road and the men are working projects all across the nation. Gives you an opportunity to really see life and to have an adventure for the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you, if you're interested, any of these guys that are standing back him, back here, any of those guys you saw standing can, can talk to you about this. They can help you to become a part of this. And they can help you get a red vest to wear so you can be a part of the team and get a part of what's really going on. So I want to encourage you to do that. So we appreciate them. We appreciate each one of you. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart for being a part of the ministry being a part of what we do, being a part of what goes on. Val and I travel a lot. We were in Sacramento last week. We'll be in Georgia next week. Uh, well, I'll be in Georgia by tomorrow. And so we've, we've got to be in Georgia by tomorrow to do a district council there. And so we are just traveling all across this nation, sharing what Jesus is doing. But I love to tell the story about Lexington, Nebraska, and how God had that church pegged to change the world. And I want you to know I've told the story because I've told them that you even had a pastor gracious enough to let them go. You don't understand. A lot of the places I go, I have pastors tell me, don't you touch my people. Don't you take one person out of here. And you had a pastor saying, let me pick the ones you can have. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I couldn't resist. Valerie told me it's a Sunday morning, you have to behave. But he was gracious enough to say, hey, they can go. And I want you to know, Pastor, thank you. You've changed the nation because of it. You've, and you've changed a lot. Thank you. Amen. I am thrilled to introduce to you my wife. Valerie wasn't able to be with me last time I was here, and I've asked her to sing. It's a song she wrote a long time ago, but I asked her to sing it today. I want you to show me your hearts as she sings. Carly's got to be the next one to go because she's already famous in this church. <laughs> Everything today was Carly this, Carly's got a drink named after her. I want a drink named after me, but <laughs> that's awesome. And then she gets up and leads worship, so that was great. Um, this song is just talks about how you're standing Y'all remember the story of Moses and the Israelites, how they were getting ready to cross over, um, and they had the, the sea in front of them, and God just parted the waters, and they walked across on dry ground because their victory was on the other side. That's what this song talks about. When you're standing on this side of your miracle, and you're waiting for those waters to cross, and you're ready to get to the other side where your miracle is at, hold on because God is going to come through to you. I'm crossing over. Can you turn it up just a little bit more? I stood on the shore too long 
Oh, watching the river, and it was moving on. And those around me, they were going through. They were seeing their victories, but I want to see mine too. I'm crossing over to the promised land. I won't look back, cause happy I am. I'm crossing over, I'm gonna take that step of faith. Oh, to a better place. Oh, now I take that step of faith. Oh, not knowing where to go, but I know he'll lead the way. And I am walking on dry ground. I'm leaving those battles behind. I'm a victory man. I'm crossing over to the promised land. And I won't look back cause happy I am. I'm crossing over. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm crossing over to a better place. Listen to this. Oh, I've made it to the other side. And this victory I feel, I just can't hide. But let me tell you, if you're living by God, that's your right now. Church, take a step of faith. Then you can shout. I'm crossing over to the promised land. I won't look back because happy. Too many years ago, I was um, at a um, evangelist conference, and Valerie's dad was an evangelist, and she was only um, eight, no, 17, and I heard her sing, and I went home that night, and I called my mom. I said, I've met the girl I'm going to marry. She said, what's her name? I said, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and she said, how did you meet her? Well, I didn't. I heard her sing. She said, well, how are you going to marry her? I said, I don't know, but if you'd hear her sing, you'd go hunt her down too. And, um, and the next day, I went and hunted her down. And um, I gave her my number, and she gave me somebody else's number, and we got in touch. <laughs> you know, I, um, I struggled over this last weekend because I, I wanted to share a message with you out of Ezra, and I, I just, the Lord really took me back here. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 14. It's, I'm one of those people that I don't preach to preach a sermon. I preach to get to the altar. And um, my whole goal is the altar call. It's what I feel like God wants to do in the altar call, not, not in what my message is. And um, my messages are not always great. They're not always pretty. But they are um, my heart to get there. And I want you to walk with me for just a few moments this morning. The book of Matthew, chapter 14, I'm going to begin at verse 6. 
said, but when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath and his guest, he commanded it to be given, and he sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. I want you to catch those last six words. And they went and told Jesus. And they went and told Jesus. Father, bless us. Let your word come alive in our hearts and our souls today. Draw us to what you'd have us to know. Let your word touch us and transform us. Changed by your power. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. You know, we all love the stories of Jesus and we love to talk about what he did because we know of the miracles that Jesus did. We know that Jesus was the one that healed the blind eyes. He made the deaf hear, the dumb talk, the lame walk. He performed miracles everywhere he went. It's one of those things that we always look at and that we always talk about because he was such a miracle in just who he was and what he did. He walked and talked miracles. You know, we talk about those signs and wonders miracles, but I don't believe it's the signs and wonder miracles that really make the impression upon the church today. But I really believe it's the miracles of what I call provision that God does that really make a difference on who we are today. I believe we live in a day and an age that we are looking for what God's going to do and how he's going to provide for us. And I, I think it was even important to Jesus during his time. Look back at the book of John and we can see that the very first miracle that Jesus did was when he turned the water into wine and it was nothing more than him providing a provision. It was a way he was going to provide something for those that had need of it at that time. Jesus then provided by showing them that they can go fishing and, and they could find coins in the mouths of the fish. He showed them that he was going to provide for them in supernatural ways and that things that when people were saying, I just don't know how it's going to happen, he did it. It was just him. That's the way he did all things. But I really believe that when we talk about provision, there's no provision that we talk about more than we talk about the feeding of the 5,000. We love to talk that old story of the feeding of the 5,000 where he took the five loaves and two fish. And, and we know that all four of the Gospels tell the story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we know that they told that story of how he took those from the boy and, and he divided it up and he had the disciples to feed them. I love the story because when I talk about that story, it shows us a point of Jesus where his supernatural ability had to go beyond what you actually read and what you actually see. You see, the word tells us there were 5,000 men. Now, here's where the trick comes. If there were 5,000 men and they all had a wife, which most of them had at least one, and... I had a friend of mine, we stopped in Salt Lake City, Utah the other day, and a friend of mine texted, you're in Utah? And I said, yeah, and he wrote back and said, is Valerie not enough? <laughs> and, and I got to be honest with you, it took me a few minutes to figure it out. And I wrote back to him and I said, to be honest, it's too much. I don't know how anybody handles more than one. <laughs> That's the best amen I've had out of a pastor in a long time. That is the biggest amen I've had. He's down here, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. I mean, the Holy Ghost came over him at that point. But these men all had all these wives, and then they had all these kids, and then we talk about feeding them with these five loaves and two fishes, and we know that Jesus did this miracle, but let's be honest about it. If there was that many, and I can figure all the kids and the wives, we probably are talking 20,000 people there. And then think about this, if they were Pentecostal, they ate a lot. They did. Some of you just don't read outside the box, do you? I know that when I get to heaven, Jesus is going to look down at me and say, oh, Billy. But when I stopped and I looked at this and I said, God, look how much you did. It was a provision. It was a way of doing it. And then I asked this question, how? What brought it on? What brings on the greatest miracles of provision that God does? And I think this is where we miss it sometimes. 
Because what we don't understand is that the scripture right there said, and they went and told Jesus. What they tell him? They didn't go to him and say, hey, we need you to provide this. No, that, that was just coming down here. And in the scriptures, it tells us this explicitly. What they went and told him was, your cousin's dead. The one that went before you in the ministry is dead. The one that you confided in, the one that you called your friend, the one that you loved, the one that you were born around, the one that was closer to you than anyone else, they took his head off and he is dead. And in the midst of that, I think we have to understand something for Jesus faced right there. What I call one of the greatest losses of his life. It was a loss that he had to feel. We know that he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And if he was fully God and fully man, that fully man had to be in pain. He had to be grieving. He had to hurt. And in the midst of his hurt, he said, I need to get away from here. And there comes a place in life that when we feel like we've lost it all, follow my words right here, this is going to matter. You need to hear what I'm about to say. Don't you love how I give those signs? What we need to understand is in the midst of our greatest losses of life is the time that God wants to use us for the greatest miracles of his performance. And when we are willing to allow God to use us and we're willing to say, God, here I am, whatever you want out of me, however you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, here I am, Lord. He can say in the midst of your greatest loss, look what I can do. And that loss was where Jesus had reached a point that he looked down and he said, I have lost the one that I loved. I've lost this brother. I've lost this friend. But then the word says he went away to grieve. In the midst of the grieving, he then had the disciples that came to him with an issue on their hands. And that issue that they had on their hands is they came to him. And when Jesus had heard it, they said, we've got a problem. The people have followed you. And ministry doesn't stop. Get ready. But ministry blooms out of our greatest loss. Jesus went out and looked at these people. And he said, we've got a problem because people need to hear what he has to say, but when people are hungry, they don't hear. I love today because I asked what time you actually get out of service, and someone told me you're actually out by one. And, um, and Valerie told me, don't preach too long because if they're hungry, they won't hear anything you say. So I've got pizza on the way. <laughs> yeah, I know, your pizza has gone. I called Casey's. And so I'm, I know these things. I'm joking. Some of you just got real excited. You thought you were getting Casey's pizza. But the disciples came to him, and in the midst of his greatest despair, they spoke such faith. Watch their words. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The day's over. Send the crowds away to the villages and make them take care of themselves. What? In the midst of his despair, when he's getting ready to do the greatest miracle, those around him said this is a desolate place. The day is over. Make them buy for themselves. Instead of realizing who they were with and knowing that they're with the Christ, the Son of the living God, they said, it's a desolate place. The day's over. Tell them to buy for themselves. And they lost all hope of faith. Now get ready for this line. We're living in a day and age that we have gone through a year to a year and a half of some of the greatest losses we've ever had. And in the midst of those losses, if you turn on the news, if you ask for a paper, if you ask somebody for their opinion, they're going to look at you and say, it's a desolate place. The day is over. Tell them they're going to have to deal with it on themselves. But I got news for you. We serve a God that says in the midst of the time of despair, when you think everything's been at the bottom, when you think everything's been taken away from you, it's time to look up and say, my bread and fish are about to be multiplied and my God is going to do what no one else is able to do. And when they realized this, they had looked at him and said that. And Jesus then looked at them and said, don't tell them to go away. You take care of it. Me, I see it as desolate. I see it as over. 
I see it as telling the people to buy it themselves. And Jesus said, no, I want you to take care of it. And the disciples went out and they picked up the little loaves and fish and they went around with those loaves and fish and they said, Lord, well, there's not a month. There's just enough here for us. And in fact, I'm sure Peter and John said, Lord, there's really just enough for us three. Let's kind of slip off to the side and eat. You know, we've only got two cheese. There's only two fish sandwiches from McDonald's. I know you got a McDonald's. And you got... We've only got two fish sandwiches here and, and it's got the, the four buns and we got an extra bun here, but, but this is all we got. And Jesus said, watch what I'm about to do. And the word tells us that he blessed it. And then he said, you serve it. This is a key, and I'm going to preach this till I die. There comes a time in our life that after God blesses it, he expects us to serve it. He expects us to do something with it. Missions is about us saying, I know God has blessed it, but I'm about to do it. And when we start doing it, he multiplies what he said he would do. And all of a sudden, he said, go ahead and feed them. And the disciples took that bread, and you've heard it before. They started feeding them, and the more they took out, the more that was there. The more they took out, the more that was there. The more they took out, the more that was there. And the disciples couldn't believe it because they fed all of those Pentecostals, all of that fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and green beans. Hey, I've grown up in the church. I know these things. And they, no, pupusas, right? I, I know where I'm at. I'll be done by 11. And all of a sudden, the disciples looked out and said, let's collect what we got left. And the word tells us they collected 12 baskets. Everybody say 12. Wow. Four gospels tell us that same story. Jesus blessed it. But what we fail to realize is two of the gospels then picked up another story that people have thought was the same story, but it's really not. For the first miracle took place in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the second miracle was the feeding of the 4,000 just a few days later, and Matthew and Mark are the only two that told that story. And I've often wondered, why are they the only ones that wanted to tell that story? Because something started happening right here. Something started changing. And when we really look at what started changing, we have to get honest with this and say, man, those disciples saw what Jesus could do with those loaves and fish, and they collected 12 basketfuls. And then just a short time later, they had to feed 4,000. Now, 5,000, 4,000, that's a 1,000 difference. That's a lot of people, isn't it? It is. And so there's a lot of difference here, and there's a lot of difference in the number of fish you need to catch to feed them. And you've, you've dropped your number from five to 4,000, and then they had more bread and more fish to pray over. The same Jesus prayed over it. They fed 4,000 and only collected seven baskets. Okay, now I'm not the smartest cookie in the cookie jar. But if I have less fish and feed more people and have more left over, and then I have more fish and bread with the same Jesus praying over it, and I feed less people, I would have more left over. But I've got less. Why? Was it Jesus? No, because he's the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. His blessing doesn't change. His anointing doesn't change. If you didn't get that line, you need to get that line. His blessing doesn't change. And all of a sudden, something happened here. For I realized that there was a problem, and the problem was not with the Jesus. The problem was not with the bread and the fish. The problem was not with the number. The problem was with the faith of the disciples. Because they quit believing who they were with. There comes a time in the church, and I'm gonna, I am going to wrap this up, so you're just going to have to walk with me really fast here. There comes a time within the body of Christ that we have to realize that we have to become satisfied with who we're with and realize that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that every moment when I wake up, every day when I wake up, I wake up and he's already been awake. He never went to sleep, and he is waiting on me to get up to prepare to bless me. Boy, it's weak on that one. And he's prepared to take care of me. He's prepared to handle my problems. He's prepared to love me. He's prepared to guide me. He's prepared to be there for me. And it's the same God that called me when I was 11 years old. It's the same God that's going to take me at 58. It's the same God that's going to love me and care for me and provide for me and bless me every step that I take because he has not changed. But we get messed up. We're not satisfied with where we're at, nor do we think that 
we have satisfaction with what we have. We don't think we have enough for God to bless. We say, God, what can you really do with me? I'm not worthy of anything, and I don't have anything to really give you. We think this is all we've got. And God looks at us and says, I didn't ask you to give me a little bit of something. I asked you to give me what you had. And if you give me what you have, now watch this line. If you give me what you have and trust me with it, I will multiply it in ways that will change the world. If you'll give me Chris, I will change the world. Let it sink. And we always say, God, I don't have enough to give you. I don't have what it takes. And God says, I'm not asking for what you've got. I'm asking for you to give me all you've got. Because when we become satisfied with what we have, we then become satisfied with where we're at. They said it was a desolate place, and the disciples all thought you had to go away somewhere else. And God said, no, where you're at is where I'm going to bless you. And they realized who they were with and what they had and where they were at. But then they struggled with this last one. It was when? Because they said, God, how and when are you going to do it? And God said, I'm going to do it when you get hungry for it. I'm giving you some lines here that I hope you're getting. And he said, when you get really hungry for it, I'm going to give it to you. And then you're going to find out that I will feed you into a fullness, to a completeness that you've got. But the question comes down to how do we get this? How do we get it? We struggle with this because we're all going to say, yeah, Billy, we believe it's a Jesus. We believe that if we give him all we got. We believe that where he planted us, he'll plant us. And we believe that his timing is perfect. But how do I do it? And I think it's where we struggled with with what we call a walk of faith. We don't understand what a walk of faith really is. We believe a walk of faith is gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. And we don't realize that God said that's not the walk of faith. The walk of faith is that I serve a God that's a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he has risen no matter what men may say. And when we understand that, we understand that we serve a God that says it doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing or what your circumstances are. I am prepared to do something to bless you, to use you, to come complete in you all that that I desire to do. And so we begin to ask ourselves, where do we lose the faith? We haven't even seen Jesus humanly in our own eyes. The disciples did. The disciples were there when he healed the blind eyes and made the lame walk and the deaf hear and the dumb talk. They watched the bread be multiplied. And yet they missed something. What they missed was understanding that what God did in the past, he will do again. I grew up old-fashioned Pentecostal. Someone told me, said, you get really loud when you preach. No, I've really calmed down. I really have. I've calmed down a lot. I used to believe without a doubt in my mind that if you didn't spit on the first three rows, you were in trouble. I still make the first row. I'll get you. <laughs> but as I grew up in this, I, I, I said, I, I don't ever want to forget the testimony service. Because the testimony service was when people used to tell me that God had done great things in their life. And something stirred up inside me that I said, if God did it then, he's going to do it now. If God did it then, he's going to do it now. If God did it then, if God can part the Red Sea, he can part the waters for me. And sometimes we miss this point of what faith really is. And I'm going to close it with this, so walk with me. Because if we really understand what a walk of faith is, we understand that both these miracles were, were, were very the same. One was in one country, one was in another. One was for the Greek, one was for the Jew. We know all these things. One had 5,000, 4,000. One had five, fish, or five loaves, two fish. One had several fish and, and loaves. And then we see that one fed 4,000, 5,000. Then we see 12 baskets and seven baskets. So similar. That's chapters 14 and 15. But all of a sudden, we walk into chapter 16. And chapter 16 is what wrapped all of 14 and 15 together, and we miss it all the time. We never go there. Because here's what chapter 16 did. For Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the loaves of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he began discussing it amongst themselves. And now walk with me here for just a minute. And they said, We brought no bread. 
Now, now wait a minute, what? I'm in, I'm in chapter 16 here, I'm about verse 5, 6, and it said, watch me where the love of the Pharisees said Jesus, and they begin discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. We brought no bread. Wait a minute, what? We brought no bread. Now, now guys, I told you I'm not the smartest cookie in the cookie jar, but I'm smart enough to know this. If I'm with Jesus, and all of a sudden over here on this day, I watched him take five loaves and two fish and feed over 5,000 men, Muslim women and children, and they were Pentecostal and they ate a lot. Then I got over here a few days later, and I saw Jesus again. And he took the few loaves and the few fish and he fed 4,000 plus all the women and the children and had seven baskets left over. I would wonder why we went from 12 to 7 and I found out in chapter 16 why. Because they got over there where they were going to be with Jesus again and what did the disciples say? We brought no bread. Now guys, I'm not the smartest one but if I saw what he did here and then I saw what he did here when I knew he was going to be there, I'm driving the Wonder Bread truck in. I'm pulling it all. I've got the fish tank behind me. I'm honking the horn. I'm saying, watch out. And they're saying, what's happening here? I'd say, I'm bringing all the bread I can get. I'm bringing all the fish I can get. Because if I saw what he did then, I'm going to give him enough to work with here to say, God, if you can do that, what can you do with this? What can you do with this? And when we say, what can you do with this? He looks down and says, so you believe. So you believe that if I can do it with five and two and a few, you're willing to drive the truck over here and he lays his hands upon it and we change the world because we believe that God can do what no one else can do. When we believe that God can do it, our faith rises up. And we begin to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you all I got. I'm going to drive the bread truck. I want you to know I hauled a fish tank behind my bread truck. I pulled the fish tank with my bread truck. And when I got there, Jesus would look down at me and say, Billy, what are you wanting? You see all this bread. If you could do it with that back there, I plan on feeding all of Africa. I plan on taking care of India. I plan on taking care of the missionaries. I plan on taking it all because I'm going to bring you all that I've got. And I'm going to lay it down at your feet. And I'm going to say, God, if you did it then, I believe what you're going to do now. I believe what you're going to do now. I believe what you're going to do now. Now, but we're a people that we quit believing God. Wow. We think, well, yeah, he did it then, but what's he going to do now? What he's going to do now is not dependent upon him. It's dependent upon us. What do we believe? can we believe for? What can we show up and say, God, here's what I believe you can do. Too often times, we just stop believing. And we kind of give up. And I told this story and it's getting out, so I'm just going to go ahead and tell it again. I don't care. Val and I are missionaries. We, we live by faith. Everything we do, we live by faith. But man, I believe in a God that can do things that are so supernatural it blows my mind. And we love that. I, um, I told Valerie, I said, I don't think I've ever been anywhere that I haven't found money. It's usually dimes and pennies, but that's okay. They add up. And we just watch God do what God can do. But here, a few months back, Valerie said that she had a dream. She said, I have a dream. I said, a dream? She said, yeah, a dream. I said, what's your dream? She goes, I want 10 acres, and we're going to put a place on it for missionaries and pastors and people to go to, to rest and recuperate. And she said, I want it in the south where it's nice weather. And I think it was your son who said he wanted warm weather. And she said, 
She said, yeah, when I was asking who felt a call to missions, it was the pastor's son who said he felt a call to warm weather. <laughs> it's a PK always. It always is. And there's always a good one and another one. <laughs> wow, I hit something there, didn't I? <laughs> Woo! I said, Val, what do you want? And she says, I want 10 acres to build this on. And she said, I want trees, and I want mountains, and I want a creek. And I said, have you ever heard the old saying, spit in one hand? And, 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 and I said, Val, there's no way. We're not going to do this. There's no way we can get this. And we started looking, and we looked for probably six to eight months trying to find something. And I have to tell you, I, I reached a point that I gave up. I, I just said, Val, Drop it. It's over. We're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. We're not going to get the 10 acres. We're not going to be able to do this, and, you know, we can't do it. And she said, well, okay. And some of you are looking at me with real guilty looks. Some of you have given up too. God told you something, and he gave you a dream and a promise, but you've parked the bread truck and didn't drive it in. Valerie said, well, Billy, do you think God can do it? And I said, well, God could. She said, man, you're such a man of faith. <laughs> and we kind of quit. And here about two months ago, I get a text from a little older lady who was in our church when we pastored in Georgia. We haven't been there for six years. I haven't talked to her for six years. And she sent me a text, said, can, can I talk to you? Where are you? And so I picked up the phone and called her. I, I figured someone had passed away. That's the only reason she'd be calling to see, you know, how I was and tell me some news. And I said, what's up? And she said, Billy, said, why do you need this 10 acres that I have in Tennessee? I said, what? She said, well, 25 years ago, I bought 10 acres in Tennessee because I wanted to build a place there for missionaries and ministers to go to rest. And she said, I've gotten too old to do it now, so I put it up for sale. And when I was praying about it this morning, the Lord told me to call you and talk to you about it because you needed it. I said, now, now say that again. And she said it again. And Val's listening. We're on the speakerphone, and Val's going, And I, I, I said, no, and I said, I'll be down there in Georgia in just a couple weeks. Can we come by and see you? She said, yeah. So we looked it up online, and she said, I list it really, really cheap so anyone can buy it. can afford to do this. But she said, I want somebody to do this. And I said, okay. So we looked it up, and it was only $55,000, and that's a great deal for 10 acres. And so I, I did that, but the problem was I don't have $55,000. Anybody else have that problem? Okay. It's just me. Oh, it's just me in this place. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm the missionary. Um, and um, we get down there, and we sit down with her, and we're sitting in her house, and, and, um, and we look over at her, and I said, Noni, I'd love this, but I said, you need to understand something. I don't have the money for this. And she said, oh. And I'm like, man, make me feel guilty. And, and she said, what? And I said, well, Noni, I don't have it. She goes, well, what do you have? And I started laughing. I said, Noni, all I got is maybe $5,000. She goes, Sold. I go, what? She said, the Lord also told me that whatever you offered, I had to take. <laughs> Val looks at me and said, I told you 500. <laughs> I said, no, no, you can't do that. She goes, it's my property. I can do what I want. Two days later, the real estate agent called. He was upset. He said, I'll give her 50000 right now just to have the property. And I said, but she told him no. said, Billy has to have this property because they're going to put a place there for ministers and missionaries to go to relax and rest. You want to go? Yeah. And I got my first dib right here. And we're only charging 50000 a week. Um, but <laughs> I'm playing. What's wrong with me today? And, and I sat there. And we closed on it the other day when we were in Arizona. They sent us all the paperwork, and we went into a, a UPS store and got them to notarize it and sign it, and we closed on the property. And I, I looked at Valerie the other day, and I said, we now own 10 acres that we're putting this on, and, and, and it's cash paid for done. And Val looks at me, and she said, huh, fish and bread. 
What is it that God told you he was going to do that you've lost sight of? What is it that you forgot about what he did over here and he did right here and when you got right here, you had left your bread truck behind? What is it that you have to reach a point that you say, God, I believe without a doubt in my mind that if you did it there and you did it there, you're going to do it here. Because if you don't get on the bread truck and drive it in, you're not going to see the miraculous of what he can do. But sometimes the miraculous is so beyond our comprehension that we go, wow, I just can't believe he did it. Think about me. 25 years ago, he made known he by that property. Back in 0304, he made me go to Georgia and pastor a church so Noni would come to my church and know who I was. Just a few years ago, he made Noni go ahead and put the septic tank on that property. And get it done to prepare for what we were going to do. Where's your bread truck? Where's your bread truck? Father, I thank you that you're a God of signs and wonders and miracles happen at your name. And Father, this morning you spoke to me last night so clearly that there were miracles in this house that you've wanted to do that people have forgotten to believe for that miracle to come through. And this morning, in the simplest fashion I know how to do it, I have been just as plain and straight up as I know how to be to say if they'll drive their bread truck in, God's going to touch it and everything's going to be transformed. But Father, right now we need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what you're getting ready to do. Father, in Jesus' name, I lay this down at your feet and I lay every person in this place down at your feet. And I ask one thing, stir their dreams and visions once again. Stir their dreams and visions once again. Stir their dreams and visions once again. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, and I know I'm going to do this extremely fast this morning because I don't have to take a long time with this. But this morning, if you're in this place and you'll say, Billy, I hear it this morning. I've had dreams and visions that I've been wondering, God, when are you going to do it? And I've got some situations in my life right now that I need God to do what he said he would do. And this morning, I want to drive my bread truck in. I'm going to believe God this morning. I'm going to believe that God is going to do it. And in the midst of my loss and my despair, in the midst of my loss of everything in my life, I'm going to believe that God is going to do what only God can do. I'm not calling you forward this morning because time and everything else, but I'm going to do this so fast. But if you're here this morning and you'll say, Billy, that's me, I want you to stand to your feet right now as fast as you can. Don't wait on anyone else. I will not wait long. I will not wait long. I want you to stand because miracles are getting ready to happen all across this room. People are standing all across this place. Miracles are getting ready to happen. Miracles are getting ready to happen. Miracles are getting ready to happen all across this room right now. Some of you have been carrying this for a long time and you're driving your bread truck in right now. You're literally driving that bread truck in and you're saying, I know what God's going to do. Right now, if you're standing, I want you to lift your hands if you're able right now. And I want you to begin to say, God, this is what it is I'm depending on you on. I want you to begin to tell him right now. Just say it. Just say, God, this is what I'm depending on you. Get ready. He's getting ready to do it. It's happening all across this room right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now I pray anointing down on every person that's in the sound of my voice. If they're watching online or they're standing in this auditorium, I pray for an anointing of faith to rise up within them that they
they drive their bread truck in and say, God, I am believing what you and only you are going to do. Father, I release miracles across this room. I release healing all across this room. I release financial miracles all across this room. I release right now by the anointing of God a transformation power that families are going to be transformed by the power of God. Children are coming home and miracles are happening in ways that only you can do. Father, we're going to believe for the promise you gave us. We're going to believe for the vision you gave us and we're going to see what you and only you can do. Do what you said you would do. Perform as you said you would perform. And Lord, we are going to drive our bread truck in and say, I believe my God is able. I believe my God will do and I trust my God to do what he said he would do. Father, we take it. We receive it. We accept it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I want you to praise Him for it right now. Come on. Give Him praise. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the, the message from Billy and Valerie. Lord, we're so thankful for what you're doing through them. And Father, this morning, I pray as we leave this place that we would walk away with that today. The Lord, this week you would work in our hearts and help us to take that, that seed of faith that you planted in us. And Lord, that you would use that to speak to our hearts. Lord, we pray for transformations to happen. So as we go today, Lord, I pray that you bless our church family. Lord, bless their homes, their relationships, their health, their finances. But Lord, more than any of that, we pray that we'd be your hands and feet extended to this community around us. And Lord, as we walk in faith, as we believe what you're going to do in us and what you're going to do through us, Father, help us to walk that out. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you believe for God to do something in you? How many believe for God is going to do something in your families? In our community, right? And guys, we, uh, we were going to give an offering to these guys. So as you leave, if you'd like to give towards that, you can drop that in the, the offering box back here in the back in the foyer out to the left. If you're a guest with us today, on your bulletins there, there's a little tear out. We'd love you to fill out as much information on that as you are comfortable doing. We have a gift for you. If you go out the door and to the right, uh, someone will meet you at the table there. We have a gift for you. We want to give it to you. So, guys, thank you so much for being here with us today. We do have life groups tonight at 6 o'clock. Hope to see you then. Make sure you catch Billy and Valerie. They'll be out here. Uh, make sure you catch them, talk to them. Thanks for being here, guys. <laughs>